Super Talk Mississippi media production. Whether you're looking to start a career with no student loans or change careers to land one of the happiest jobs in the world, yep, that's construction, Build Mississippi can help. Visit buildmississippi.com to learn why a career in the trades deserves another look. buildmississippi.com. Your future is waiting. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday, June. I can't no. even do it because it's Thursday night. I'm just lying to the people. Uh, <laughs> Friday, it, June, whatever edition. It, of it might be th- Friday when we get done, though, right? Yeah, no, it, it definitely will be Friday when we get done. I think it's June 21st edition of the Rebel Report. Um, I, think it's, I think it's the 20th. I think it's the 20th and turning into the 21st. That's what I'm saying. Like when, yeah, pe- okay. when the people will be listening to this. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So now that we got that down, um, it is Mailbag Friday. We have a bunch of questions, which is, as always, dictates the show. Um, we had the NFL draft. We had some College World Series stuff. Um, not a ton of like hard news happening between now and then. But what's up, man? Not much. Not much. Just uh, got through watching some NBA draft and some uh, College World Series. Had a, yes. a dual TV action going. Yeah, so I'm in West Point, Mississippi at the Hampton Inn. Um, Lovely we are doing, Yeah, we're doing a radio show here, and then Richard and Borky and I are playing golf at Old Waverly in the morning before the show. So they're up getting mentally prepared, cleaning their clubs, inspecting the groups, and I'm podcasting. So I'm already at a disadvantage, but I'll probably power through anyway. Yeah. Hey, if Hey Dad left soon enough, he might get back. He, he was supposed fly. to caddy for me. We were going to put him in one of those like Bryson DeChambeau hats and some of those baggy pants they called knickers, and he was going to run around the course behind us. But uh, that didn't work out because he's in Omaha. Although he will not be in Omaha Much that long because State lost tonight in a heartbreaking fashion to Louisville. Bottom of the night, State was up 3-2. Louisville scored two runs. Uh, I mean, that's a tough way for anybody season in. Those were two really good teams that kind of got screwed on the same side of the bracket. Um, Louisville scores two runs in the ninth. I didn't really know what to make of that game. Like I couldn't State. tell which one, which team was actually the better team in that game. Not not like season wide, but what was the better team in that game? I don't really know. Well, I see. Okay, hear me out. I think it's Louisville because Louisville kept getting thrown out on the bases. Like Louisville, that's very Ole Miss. Yeah, Louisville wasted opportunity after opportunity, and I mean State. Almost took advantage of it, but you know, just couldn't finish it off. I think the game changed when uh, Lee Belt really struggled, and, and you know, gives up those two runs in the seventh, and they have to go to Gordon kind of an inning early. Yeah, I would agree with that because Gordon's probably not as used to going that. Although he's been extended sometimes. Sure. I remember yeah. I heard Haydad talking on the radio talking about if he didn't have to be used tonight, he could have given three or four in relief tomorrow against Vanderbilt. But they were they were squaring him up. He did get squeezed, I thought, a bit in the oh, ninth. Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure if it would change the result because then again, he didn't record an out, but he was getting squeezed hard on balls that were called strikes for most of the game. Um, my colleague, Michael Borke, is all for robotic umpires. I'm Same. not there yet. I'm not there yet. I like the human element of it. I, I just think when we go to robots, we're going to find more problems and technical difficulties. Like People think robots are perfect. I don't think that's the case, but... You know that's a conversation for another okay. day. But I don't like so I don't. What I don't like though is the squeezing beat Ams when State was yelling at the guy in the dugout. The yes. the the first base umpire gets in his feelings. And granted, I'll give him credit. He didn't pull the Louisville super regional shit where he threw the guy out. But he's over there like pointing like very demonstrably in the dugout. Yeah. Like, man, it's the College World Series. Let that go. Yeah, like unless they're saying f words or going at the umpire personally, then it, just shut up. Just, just shut up. 
Yeah, uh, just let it happen. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a line, but that line involves an F word. Yeah, exactly. So that's a tough way for state season to end. Um, you know, it's the end of an era, really, with Jake Mangum. I know we've joked before about how he, that all that gets built up into a legend. But look, he was a hell of a college baseball player. He was a lot of fun to watch. And I won't actually believe he's graduated until he's not on the field next Ooh. February. Antoine Duplantis or Jake Mangum, which one returns? They're in the same. <laughs> they're both. The answer is both. They're both which not. Which one they're... returns for their ninth year? Yeah, exactly, of eligibility. It's like, you know, Antoine Duplantis is like not even the best athlete in his family, that pole vault kid. Mondo, yeah. Yeah, who went pro after a year, really alpha oh, his brother really? there. Yeah, he went pro after one season. I love that. Going pro yeah. and pole vaulting. Yeah, I don't really know what that pays, but hey, anyway. We're off the rails at all. Is there anything we need to discuss before we get to the questions? I don't think there's Man. been any pressing Ole Miss news. No, Terrence hadn't gotten drafted yet, so... Yes, yeah, so we're monitoring that as we speak. Um, yeah. Terrence Davis has not been drafted yet. Um, what, there's about 15 picks, I think, left in the draft. I actually thought he would have gone by now. I thought yeah, he would have gone in the 32 to 45, 46 range. The yeah. Q Weatherspoon just got drafted by the Spurs. Did he really? Good for him. Yeah, good for him. That's awesome. I would have not uh, bet he was drafted hey, before Terrence I, Davis, though. If I told you five years ago uh, Q Weatherspoon is going to get drafted and Malik Newman is not, would you have believed me? I don't think I would have bought that one. I uh, I probably would not have bought stock in that. Although, honestly, going into this draft, I think Q Witherspoon's a hell of a player. I actually, reading the mock drafts and stuff, I'm not sure I would have believed that Q Witherspoon would have been drafted before Terrence Davis. I mean, yeah. splitting hairs, they're both good players, not necessarily similar skill sets, but they're both in that second round projection category. And I guess you never know, but it just seemed like more people were bullish on TD after the combine than Witherspoon, but good for him. That's a... Hell of an organization to be drafted into. I, uh, I'm not. I mean, I follow the NBA pretty closely, but I don't really know the the intricacies of the draft. How often does a second round pick make a roster? Not that often. I mean, you're talking like, I mean, it's. I, I don't want to give you a percentage because I don't know the percentage, but it's like, it's. I would equate it to the same as a fifth or a sixth round pick in the NFL draft. Okay. Okay. He's got a puncher shot, but like. It helps if it's a bad team. It's a help if it's a young team with some holds to fill. I mean, they're first round picks on good teams that don't make the roster. And plenty, like, do you get to the end of the first round? Like, you get really 25 on. Like, there's no guarantee you're making the roster. Not a lot of first round picks do. But after that, no guarantee. I mean, you have the success stories. Draymond Green was a second round pick. There's been That's some right. others. Um, so we can get to the draft at the end, though. Let's get to these questions. So okay. it is Mailbag Friday, where we let the listeners pretty much drive this entire show. Um, so pedal to the meta, listeners. Here we go. Let's see. So where do you want to go first? Do you have Twitter? I collected a bunch I actually on Twitter. don't really have much on Twitter. I did because I sent my tweet out late. I did not. I don't know if I had anything besides our buddy Jake at the uh, Eagle being a little bit facetious. Okay, I've got plenty of Twitter, and then I've got more on Snapchat. So I went the millennial route again. How does, how does um, Snapchat work? Do you like just send out a Snapchat? and was like, hey, send me your questions. It's basically to my, uh, basically to my dipshit friends. I just put the, all the ones in the recent. So I'm like, send me some fire questions. Some of them come back really bad. Some of them are good. Y'all not? I get some not, texts. I was gonna say, do y'all not like send text messages anymore? No, no, we do send text messages, but you can get to a wider variety of people faster. Like, what am I going to start a gigantic group text? I'm like, hey, man, send me podcast questions. That way I'm just bothering each of them individually and then as a group. That's how this works. Um, uh, I'll bet you like avocados, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, get some skinny jeans. Um, so <laughs> so we'll, start, we'll start with Twitter. Um, Tyler Hayes 
says, do you think we will see Hoagland get any at-bats next year? Yes. yes. Um, 100%? I, okay, well, I don't know about 100%. That's fine, but I, I, the only reason I'm saying that and the only thing I have to go off of is Mike Bianco said multiple times this past year, and we've said this on this podcast before, Hoagland is going to hit. It's just not going to be this year. And, you know, I'm not a math guy, but if he says not this year – there's only two years left, so that would be this coming year or the next one after that. So are you just I think he's going to hit. <laughs> if Oakland's still here as a senior, something, uh, something, something, something went wrong. If Oakland's still here as a senior, Mike Bianco's not. Yeah, that's actually probably a fair, fairly that that's a fair comparison. Um, so yes, I do because I think it's a team that's initially going to struggle to hit anyway. I think they could end up being okay hitting wise. We've been over this a hundred times as far yeah. as the. As far as the new kids coming in, Kel Baker, the Leatherwoods, the Dunhurst, they're going to need to hit to be a successful team next year because you think they're going to be fun pitching. But it's going to be one of those things where I think they're going to be searching, particularly the first couple of months. And so, you know, if they're struggling to score runs out of the gate, what do you have to lose by letting Hoagland, yeah. Hoagland hit? What is, there to, think, like, what is there to lose? I think Hoagland can actually hit, too. Like, I don't think this is just an experiment. I think the kid is actually like legit Division One baseball player as a hitter. Oh, I think that's correct. I, I, th- I think that you're right on with that, too. I just think that they weren't trying to give him too much to think about right, this year because, yeah. man, he looked overwhelmed on the mound at a lot of times, and you're going to stick a bat in his hand. I don't I wonder- disagree with the decision not let him hit this year, but I do think he hits. This is a uh, job for you. Find out, find out if he's hitting this summer. Uh, yes, I could definitely do that. He is in, so Florida. we can get to these in a second. So I finally got Ole Miss's summer assignment list. Um Hey, we can get through these right now. So Doug Nikhazy okay. is playing for USA Baseball National Team. You have Keenan and Servideo in the Cape Cod League. You have Gunnar Hoagland in the Florida Collegiate Summer League. Kevin Graham, California League. Northwoods League, Maxwell Trophy and Tim Elko. Perfect Game, Josh Hall, Logan Savelle, Justin Bench, and Jacob Steinberg. Okay. I feel like Hoagland um, probably could have played in a better league because first-round picks don't usually get sent to the Florida League. Like I feel like he, if he wanted to play in a better league, he probably could have. It's probably close to home, though. That's right? what I'm saying. I think you want Seminole to County stuff. Scorpions. I don't know where Seminole County is. Do you have yeah. any idea? Mm, that's, I, I, I could take that's a guess. Orlando, isn't it? I have no idea. Seminole County, though, Tallahassee. No, Ta- maybe, maybe I'm just making know. connection that's not there. Who cares? Um, yeah. So I think does, close to home. Yeah. So does the fact that it's Logan Savelle and Jacob Steinberger in the perfect game week tell you anything? Mm, no, <laughs> not not really. I, I I'll be honest with you. Before you said those names, I didn't know who they were. Okay, fair enough. Um, so we got that one down. My esteemed colleague Brian Haydad, who is going to be up a very long time tonight with State's post game, said, "Would you take Ole Miss plus six point five against Memphis?" No. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like okay. So what? what I'm not plus- saying they're not going to cover it, but I don't know anything right. about that. I'm not what, touching what, that. What I bet. If you gave me $100 and were like, hey, you have to bet it, would I bet Ole Miss plus 6.5? Yes. But if I'm. But if it's my money. If it's my money? No, I'm not touching that. I mean, this is literally the equivalent, and we've all been there before. This is the equivalent where you had a bad day. uh, you know, it's ten o'clock at night. There's two, you know, Hawaii's playing some school, <laughs> and you're sitting there thinking you're on the couch. I'm gonna win I it all back. Late night, we're gonna be good before. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna climb out of this hole. You know, Hawaii minus fifteen. Remember that time they had Colt Brennan and went to the Sugar Bowl? Hell yeah, Golden Rainbows, whatever they're called now. I'm laying it down. That's the same amount of feel I have for this game. I have no idea. I have no clue. It's the same thing as like gambling on some West Coast game where you're just like, uh, yeah, sure, that sounds right. Remember that time Hawaii. <laughs> went to the sugar bowl lay it on them 
Is that, is that like when you uh, place the bet? And it's like, I hope this wins because I don't know how I'm paying the bookie if it doesn't. No, it's when you convince yourself that it's a uh, that it's a good bet, even though you just literally have no idea. So I literally I have no clue. So my answer is, if it's my money, like you, I'm not touching it because I don't know what to make of this. I don't like literally my I know nothing about Ole Miss football and how they're going to look in the yeah. sense that like I'm not going to no. say I don't know nothing because it's my job to know things. But in terms of how they're going to look both offensively and defensively, I have no clue. And I'm, yep. I'm not going to pretend I know anything about Memphis, so why in the world would I touch this game? Right. If you made me bet, like if you said, hey, you have to get it right to keep your life, do I bet Ole Miss? Yes, I do. Probably. Yes, because most I'm... places I'm seeing right now, it's seven and a half, yeah. not six and a half. And so I'm definitely taking Ole Miss if it's more than a touchdown if you're yes. making me. But either way, I don't want to touch this. I want nothing oh. to do with this. I have no feel for this game. If it's, I'm it's, betting... it's, it's Hawaii, Cal, Riverside to me. No difference. If, if I'm betting that game, you just take Ole Miss money line, right? I mean, like, I guess I have no, I don't know. I'm not, t- I'm not, do- I'd I have no idea. I really don't. <laughs> All right. Good question. Um, yeah, that, that honestly was a good question. It's it the was. one, it's the one question that generated the most responses under the original question. There's like oh, seven there people. Go. There were like nine no's or like five no's and a yes. One guy said of- baseball or football. I don't really know what that means. Internet's a weird place. Um, Hayes Dubberly on top of the, um, on top of the Hoagland question, said, will Doug Nikhazy bat for that matter? The outfield Ooh. has some question marks for no, uh, no doubt. I don't think Nikhazy would play outfield anyway. No, he's um, not playing. I don't think Nikhazy bats. Look, he's your Saturday guy. Why are you screwing with that? He's not batting. Well, okay, what, what if Hoagland's your Friday guy? <laughs> I mean, I don't think he hits either. I think I think Gunner is more advanced at the plate than Nikhazy, right? Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't see a world where Nikhazy hits. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I guess it's possible. I guess I shouldn't say I don't see a world. I don't okay. think he hits. I can see a pinch hitting. Like if he hits left-handed, I'm not even sure he hits left-handed. But if he hits left-handed, maybe he's a pinch hitter or something. But yeah, I, I don't see it. They do got to replace some pinch hitters, like in Cockrell. Like it, like not joking around, Cockrell and, and Fitzsimmons, and they've got to have some more guys off the bench that can swing it. No, I agree with that. But I think they have enough newcomers that will be in the mix. So that I just don't see Nikhazy uh, hitting. Um, yeah, if he's hitting, they str- they're struggling. How about walking through our football schedule with predictions? Go through last Friday's podcast. Do we not do that? Yeah, I think we. D- well, I think we figured out like some scenarios, like how do they get to five and seven if they start one and three or and stuff like that. I think so that's from C. Bushing too. Stay tuned later in the summer, buddy. We got a whole season of off-season content before we get to that. That's going to be like a two weeks out thing when we're when we're dying in fall camp. So I got, stay tuned I got, on that one. I don't think we have time to go through all that today. I got five and seven. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm five and seven too. I don't know how they're getting to five and seven, but it's five and seven. Um, Cole Wood says, is Carl Lafferty to blame for the regression in Ole Miss's pitchers over the last three to four seasons? It seems like every season we have pitchers who should be major contributors that get worse over the last two years in the program. Then in parentheses, he says, Stokes, Fowler, Holston, Wolfolk, MacArthur, etc. I'm not sure necessarily Stokes is fair, and MacArthur kind of was what he was, but I'll give you the last three. Even though Wolfolk, we figured out it was his own deal. No, I'm I'm not going to give you Wolfolk. It's Fowler and Holston. He's beating around the bush. The last okay. three were reaches. It's Fowler and Holston. Okay, hear me out on Fowler. Just, just for my answer is you can explain whatever you want. My answer is no. I don't think it's yeah. last oh, fault. Oh, it's not last fault. I don't think Fowler is good as people is is as good as people think. I think he had a really good end of the year last year. I also think he throws eighty seven to eighty eight miles an hour in that car crash. He's never really gotten over it. He was he had a lot of life on his fastball in twenty eighteen that wasn't there in twenty nineteen. I think that was the biggest difference, and people squared him up. I, I don't really 
think Jordan Fowler was ever going to be a great Division One baseball player. Uh, I tend to know. fall in that boat as well. I don't think it was regression. I think people got intoxicated by the way he finished the 2018 season in some big spots. Because if you actually sure. look at the 2018 season, he's not taking anything away from the kid, but he wasn't overwhelmingly good as the midweek starter early in the midweek. Like he was fine, but yeah. he wasn't like there was there wasn't anything like you weren't saying, oh, Jordan Fowler, that's a weekend guy next year until May. Yeah. And, and there's look, there was a lot of life on that fastball last year. And, and look, if that life comes back, yeah, the kid's going to be real good. But I think that's what it depends on is he's got to have that real good life on his, on his 87 to 88 mile an hour fastball or it's, it's just not going to work. Um, as far as the question, though, I don't think it's his last fault at all. Um, I think though, that's a fair question, though, uh, you know, regarding pitching uh, development. Look, Mike Bianco is the pitching coach, right? Carl Lafferty recruits. I, I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And Holston's deal, I don't think it's a coach's fault when that it goes mental that way and you forget how to throw the baseball. Like, the coach didn't, like, unless they're engaging in some serious mental warfare we don't know about and, like, undergoing, like, testing. I don't think that's their fault. Yeah, look, I can I can get on Mike for pitching development. I have no problems with that. Caleb Hill was not used correctly this year, and he should have been, you know, given more innings. And, and he should have pitched better, but he should have been developed more. Um, frankly, I think Gunnar Hoagland should have been better this year. Uh, Ron Rollison should not have had a 4.5 ERA last year. I think a lot of that was Mike Bianco's fault. That was um, fastball command. Well, that, I think that was Mike Bianco's fault. Um, Zach Phillips should have been a lot better than he was at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, there's some fair criticism, I think extremely fair criticism, about how, how pitchers are not being developed sometimes in this program, but I don't think that's Laugh's fault. I think it's another person's fault. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you can go case by case with the ones he named. Like, did Stokes really regress? Yeah, he did. But he lost. No, I'd say he plateaued. Okay. He was he was really bad his last year after being really good his sophomore and junior year. Mm. Was he really good as a junior though, or was he just okay? Well, I mean a two A D R A to me is really good. All right, that's fair. MacArthur just kinda was what he was. Yeah, he was, he was a draft that threw hard and sometimes threw th- threw strikes. So, yeah, I would say no on that. I think Laugh's a decent coach. I don't think, like you said, he actually has much of the power to do anything from a pitching standpoint. I think he recruits. I think Clement coaches hitting, and I think Mike coaches pitching because I can't tell you every how many days I walk out to practice and Mike is standing there with his hands in his armpits in between the two mounds, standing there just grimacing at the pitchers in the bullpen. <laughs> Yelling. Yes. So he <laughs> is the pitching coach. Um Let's see. Jared Robertson says, what do you think the spread would be for Ole Miss Memphis come game week? So at first I thought this was a dumb question, but he's asking what it closes at. Yeah. I think it's – oh, people are going to bet on Ole Miss, right? Like they're going to see the power five team against the – Four and a half. Ooh, I don't think it's that low. I I think it gets back to five and a half, six. What is it at right now? What are we talking about it's at right now? Is it six and a half or seven and a half? Because that makes a difference. Let's call it seven then. Let's just call it seven. Okay, then I'll go to five. I think it shrinks two. Okay. I, I, I think people I think, bet on yeah. Ole Miss. Yeah, I do too. I, I don't think that's a smart bet. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but I Correct. think people bet on Ole Miss. I'm just saying. I think the look, money, look. when they see SEC, like dumb, dumb brains gambler is going to look at that and say, <laughs> ooh, SEC school, like, you know, American school. Let's hammer the Rebels. Oh, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so hear me out. If you're that guy at the casino and, like, you have one of these apps and it tells you that, uh, like, all the tickets are on Ole Miss but all the money is on Memphis, buddy, don't bet on Ole Miss. Oh, 100%. But that's something smart people. Yeah, that's something smart people know more than you do. 
Oh yeah, of course they, of course they do. That's why there's no such thing as a lock. Yeah. <laughs> um. So no. So I think it, if it's if we're giving it seven right now, if we're saying it's Memphis is favored by a touchdown, I'm gonna say it closes at five. I think it shrinks <laughs> by two points. How absurd is that? Memphis is minus seven versus Ole Miss. What a world we live in. I know, but you look at the state of the two programs. You're oh, really I don't surprised. With the line. I'm just saying, what a world. It is. Uh, it is quite the world. And buddy, if that line holds true, it's gonna be off to the races. I mean, if Memphis beats Ole Miss by like seven in overtime, like nobody's gonna. Well, I say nobody. Most logical people are not gonna lose their minds because Memphis is a better team than Ole Miss. But like, if Ole Miss gets beat by like ten to fourteen, oh god. There might be people that just never leave the Liberty Bowl. It's going to be like the Hangover 2 where they're like, Bangkok has him now and they'll never let him go. Like the Liberty Bowl has these people now and like they're never coming back. It's going to be hotter than the devil in that place. It's going to be 11 a.m. and Memphis is just blistering all of this. They're just going to be some people and be like, I'm going to let the sun let, let me wither away. This is it. I bought tickets to this stupid game. This is it. You can drink like a fifth of Crown and it's like, I'm not moving. And just die in the sun. <laughs> just please let me evaporate is basically what people are asking. This is like the game's going on. I'm just hoping the sun ends me. Yeah, so, yeah, so, answer's five. Um, <laughs> at least my answer's five. What's yours? Five and a half to six. Okay, fine. That's fair. Um, Randall Woods on Twitter says, or ask, excuse me, three months ago, would you believe TD would have been drafted more or less in the first few rounds? Well, one, buddy, I got a spoiler for you. There's only two rounds. Yeah. Um, two, um, yes, absolutely. TD was always this freak. Like, like Andy Kennedy, I like AK, but there were some guys he oversold the hell out of where he's like, you watch this kid, he's coming. Like, I'm thinking of the Lomax kid. I'm thinking of a couple others where you're like, oh, look, he's coming along. Terrence Davis, he was, ne- he, Terrence Davis is always like, this Wait, kid's a freak. Lomax. Who, whatever. Lomax? Who am I thinking of? Lomax plays point guard at Memphis, so I'm I'm confused here. Okay, but I'm thinking of somebody two years Finley? ago that I it uh yes Finley. That's exactly what I'm thinking okay. of. I don't know why I said Lomax. Um, but point being, Andy Kennedy from the beginning was like, you got to watch this kid. He's a freak athlete. He's really raw, but he's a hell of an athlete, and he's going to have a chance to get drafted. And you could tell even at TD sophomore year where he didn't even have that very good of a year, the flashes when he was in transition and some of the stuff he did defensively. Now, granted, he'd make 10 dumb plays for one smart play on defense (laughs) that year, but some of the stuff he did defensively and some of the stuff he did in transition, it was like, this kid's got a shot. Because what people don't realize about the NBA, I say people, a lot of people realize it. There are some people that watch basketball and maybe can't necessarily decipher the difference. Look, you can be a hell of a college player and have no NBA draft profile, and you can be an okay college player and have a hell of an NBA draft profile. And TD had a little bit of both. He had some really great moments as a college player, and that athleticism plays somewhere, that length plays somewhere, and that shooting plays somewhere. So he was always going to have a shot. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, uh, you know, it's he was athletic. He can he what what's really helped TD is he's really figured out how to shoot the basketball with consistency, and. Uh, so that's that's what his I mean his profile is, and I think T's got a shot to defend in that league. Uh, 
So I think, I think Kermit made, made him a smarter defender. I still think he has a long ways to go, but I think the year under Kermit made oh, him a yeah. smarter, more consistent defender. And that's not it saying he is a consistent defender. It yeah. made him more consistent and smarter than what he was. And that might be a relatively low bar. And I'm not talking about the kid's intelligence. I'm talking about right. on the basketball floor and defending within a system. I think that really, really helped that year under Kermit. And if some team, like it, it, it doesn't shock me at all that he went to the combine and there were scouts and teams just kind of tantalized by athleticism and thinking, man, if we can refine this kid, he has a chance. Because I still yeah. think that's true. And and so the thing is, like, I think that, like, I agree with you completely that Kermit made him a better defender. And, and his first, like, two years, you know, he didn't play much his freshman year. You know AK was ready to lose his mind watching that kid foul out with, like, 28 minutes left. And uh, so, yeah, I think you're completely right. I think Kermit made him defend within a system and, and is really um, – you know, it really ha- helped enhance his draft skills. Look, he may not get picked tonight, but I think he's going to have a real shot to make a roster somewhere. Yeah, so we're keeping monitoring that as we speak. I haven't seen him be picked, so we'll see if that happens in a second. Um, RPMJR says the same guy who voted Dan Jones is leading or voted out Dan Jones is leading the committee to choose the next chancellor. Does that make you feel great or not? Nah? Um, I don't feel any way about that. Um, I have some thoughts. I think we should probably save that for another day because that's a whole other. Who, who is he referring to? Can I ask that? Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure, honestly, off the top of my head. I'd actually have to go look at that. So I don't I don't necessarily know who he's even talking about off the top of my head. We can save that for later because that's going to heat up over the course of the summer. Um, Pinholster says, what would be the name of the Tampa Bay Montreal team? <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter say the x-rays. I kind of like that. X-rays, that's great. That's great. Uh, um, I don't know. This was never going to be a realistic possibility. This was posturing. This was Tampa being like, oh, yeah, well, watch this. We're not going to fully commit to leaving, but please build us a stadium. And so this was just a step towards that. They have an agreement through the TROP and with St. Petersburg, the city, through 2027. This was never going to realistically happen. No yeah. city government was going to be like, yeah, go play half your games in Canada. Who cares? That was never going to happen. And, of course, it got shot down, you know, yeah. an now hour later. It was a wild idea. It made for, a click, like, a, a, a trendy headline, but this was never going to happen. Yeah, and but I, do, I don't think they're there in 2028. Oh, I would agree with that. What a shame about this is, is, one – should the I, I think the blame falls more on the owner than the city. You're a billionaire. Build your own stadium and expand payroll. Like maybe yeah. take some help from the city, but expand payroll and build your own stadium. And what sucks is they're a really, really well-run organization. Despite oh, it. The fact that they contend in that division with the Red Sox and the Yankees with that payroll, that fan support and all that is honestly incredible. Yeah, Kevin Cash is the best manager in the game. Sure, close. and they had one of the best before that in Joe Madden. Yeah, even though he's kind of run his course, but yeah, sure. But there, he, they, he was oh nine. Joe Madden was not run his oh, course. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I completely agree. And they're they're a well run organization. I mean, they won ninety games last year in a rebuild. Funny supposedly. how anal- funny how analytics work. Yeah, I mean, they do, and there's room for both, but you you can't fully ignore one or the other. I, like, I, I mean, Tampa small market teams have to run their. I have to run the organization off analytics. There's no way. There's no other way to do it. Like I mean, sure, like- but I mean, I, I don't know. I don't feel like the the eight the the Rays are make playing Moneyball, but they make smart, savvy decisions and financially responsible know, decisions. Man. I'm not sure that's a hundred percent analytics. Well, well, I mean, them fleecing the Pirates in the Corey Dickerson trade is not analytics. 
Well, that, but them using an opener is. Sure, but getting Tommy Pham and some of the or Fam, excuse me, and some of these other guys like that's that's not a hundred percent at least. That's really really smart talent evaluation. It takes both. Sure. So wait, Dickerson was on the Rays, and what they get for him? Oh, buddy, you're gonna laugh at this. Here we go. Let me look this up. Because Dickerson's it's, a good player. It's a fleecing. No, he is a good player. Mississippi native, by the way. I talked to him yeah, last Brookhaven. summer when I covered the Pirates. Um, Brookhaven Academy stand up. Yeah, he. I actually walked up to him in the Pirates Clubhouse last year because I had to ask him a question. And I said, hey, man, I'm from Jackson. I went to J.A. And he said, we be, used to beat y'all in basketball all the time. And I said, <laughs> okay, thanks, Chief. Um, wow, J.A.'s a pretty good basketball school. B.A. was doing work. Here we go. Was this like a Dansby Swanson fleecing? No, I can't find it. Anyway, we'll we'll look it up. It doesn't matter. It was okay. a good trade for the Rays. Um. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. I I, I don't think the, I don't know. I don't think I don't think the uh, I don't think the Montreal. For those of you that don't know, there was a story that came out today that basically that said the Rays were exploring playing half of their home games in Montreal, or excuse me, just half their games in Montreal and the other half in Tampa and becoming a two-team professional city. I know it sounds as ridiculous as it is. <laughs> it was never going to happen. Like, this was never realistically going to happen. The Rays want a new stadium. Their owner doesn't want to pay for it. It's the most typical pro sports versus the city, pro sports owner versus the city fight of all time. The Rays are well run. They have a terrible, they have a, Loads of fan support in a terrible stadium. It's kind of, it, it, I mean, this is ending and them leaving. Let's be honest. Yes, absolutely, completely agree. Um, so here we go. Let's see. Um, let me make sure. Would you rather have this? Is from Randy Morgan. Would you rather have all songs exist? But they're all performed by Pitbull, or would you rather only have one Pitbull song exist, but it's performed by every artist on their own cover interpretation? What? No, I mean, no, it's it's a pretty simple question. Would you have rather have Pitbull sing every song ever made, or would you rather only have one song made in your life, but it's uh, it's sang by Pitbull? Uh, I think I'd rather jump off a bridge. Is that the third option? <laughs> if the only music was made by Pitbull, you wouldn't be around. I don't know. That's a very bad question. Anyway, um, Wes Hurst says, since Bjork has gone to A&M without ever telling the fan base publicly, quote, our side of the story regarding the insane investigation, <laughs> what do you think our side of the story is, according to Bjork? Oh, buddy. How much How much time you got? Uh, no, there is no how much time do you have, man. Like, what? <laughs> Read between the lines, chief. Oh, One, no, screw it. The screw, screw it. <laughs> Ole Miss, look, they, they, they did the, uh, what was it, in – cooperation exemplary cooperation under the uh which was their death now well it was they did it when they had the ncaa had them you know you don't cooperate with a kangaroo court man with a court that makes its own rules you don't cooperate it's that simple no hear me out here i think the the initial exemplary cooperation was correct when they had them dead to rights with the act stuff once they started doing interviews with leo lewis and and all those other kids no, for the love of God, you stop cooperating. Like that. Was okay, like- okay, I'll give you this one. So now the NCA has basically been rendered powerless. Miami and USC pretty much proved that, even though USC kind of got hammered to a degree. Miami and North Carolina really approved that. So will you find me the number of cases where it has begun with any form of cooperation that has worked out for the
the school because I've got a mountain of evidence where they no, basically stick their middle I, finger at them and tell them to look, piss off. Like and I, it works. I get what you're saying, but when the NCAA comes to you and says this is what we have and what they have is going to screw you, like what do you do? Just tell them. LSU nah. has FBI evidence. I mean, LSU is in an FBI investigation, and they still have their coach. Their coach met with the NCAA and basically told them to piss off. They have them on a recorder. I mean, and they're probably going to get hammered. Uh, probably look, not, though. I, I, I would actually bet against this. And we like This is going down another rabbit hole. I'm going to bet against this. This is where the rubber meets the road for this whole thing. Because you really think they're going to hammer six blue blood schools in college basketball? They're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. They're going to hammer LSU. I don't think they're going to do anything. It's going to turn into appeals. It's going to turn into lawsuits. Nothing's going to happen. I, I disagree with I think they're going to murder LSU basketball. I think it's a powerless corrupt organization and i think oh, people is. are finally seeing for what it is completely powerless and people are stopping cooperating look once look i can almost should not have cooperated after the the initial at all at all they shouldn't cooperate at all I mean, why are you cooperating with a system that makes its own rules because they the, had you they had you on that they didn't have anything they had will wade <laughs> good lord you're missing my point but we'll continue no, I, I get you, but why are you cooperating with that? Why are you saying yes, do actually, but, but like, yes, this kangaroo court that makes up its own rules will play along. What, what are you supposed to do when they come to you and say, that we have this and we can screw you with it? Like, what are you supposed to say? No, that doesn't exist. Like, yeah, piss, that, like basically piss off. Okay, that wouldn't have gone well. Oh, uh, yes, because the alternative went very well. Well, the alternative included them giving immunity to Leo Lewis. It's not exactly apples to apples. Well, that's the second NOA. Anyway, yeah, this is I'm not for this day. No, you don't cooperate with it. To the answer to this guy's question, there is no our side of the story. One is a fan. Your side of the story, like you were never supposed to hear the side of the story. He's talking about going in front of the NCAA committee on infractions when he said that. He's saying, can't wait to tell our side of the story. One, that was just a very good PR line. Actually, it wasn't even that good of a PR no, line. Was it was constructed as a PR line, but the fans were never supposed to hear it. It's talking about going into the NCAA committee on infractions and telling mm. the side of the story. It's, he's not, he was never going to get in front of a microphone and be like, hey, here's our side of the story. It just was never going to happen. Oh, almost butchering PR. Imagine that. Yeah, miss tripping over its own dick. Who would have thought? Um, it's your last day in Oxford. Tyler Hayes again says it's your last day in Oxford, and parentheses and Earth. What five eating drinking establishments are you visiting? Ooh, Chick Fil A is one. I'm just gonna be real with you. I don't care. You have Chick Fil A's everywhere. That didn't really count. Well, I mean, he said it was my last day on Earth, and in Oxford. Well, yeah, but it's my last day on Earth, so I'm eating on Chick in Chick Fil A. Well, I think his point being is you're not going exiled anything. You can go to th- five Oxford places, and then a meteor's hitting the Earth. Is basically what this is saying. <laughs> okay, you, you go first. Um, Solshan because I really like their pizza. Funk um, because I really like their pizza. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to the annex that used to be the corner bar for the nostalgia because that's where I spent most of my that, 16 to 18 year old youth. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. That's, what I was um, to say. That, that's where you go and, and get drunk when uh, they, when you're 19, right? That's where you go stand in a mosh pit and hope somebody doesn't notice you don't have a wristband because you don't have an ID. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to that. Rip, you, ever going. Your, you ever get your ID taken in Oxford? We're not going on that path today. That is that is 100% for another day. Um, I will go to Lenora's because I think it's yeah. one of the best meals for your buck. I'll go to Grill House because I think it's the best steak in town. So I've already exchanged four. And then I guess I'll go to Bure because I enjoy sitting on the balcony. Is that a decent enough five? Yeah, no, that's that's good. I would I would go to Bure, Lenora's, uh, 
Funky's, I'm trying to think, Mama Joe's. Have you ever been to Mama Joe's? Yeah, Mama Joe's is dank. I didn't really get into the lunch spots like the Ajax and all that. That's a fair option. I just didn't go that route. I think I think it's five for me. Wait, what was your five? Oh, okay. Uh, Mama Joe's, Funky, okay. Bouray. Uh Oh, Old Taylor, obviously. Or, yeah, Taylor Grocery. Um, what's the last one? I don't. Oh, I forgot about Old Taylor. Damn it! I, I'm not trading. It doesn't matter. South South Depot. South Depot is my fifth one. I'm okay. I'm. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. I think South Depot is okay. Sorry, I like drinking there, like the margaritas, but I think the food is okay. Wait, wait. Do, do you like Chipotle more than South Depot? I know. I think they're both average. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Because I was you're first gonna have to find a new podcast host. Yeah, no, they're both. I don't. I don't get the hype. No, I'm not actually both average. I'm, that that's blasphemy. South Depot is 100 percent better yes. than Chipotle. Yes. I think it's good food. I do not think it's great. How about that? Okay. Chipotle is right. average. To each their own. Um, Jared Robinson said, "Who scores more fantasy points this year, AJ or DK?" Ooh, ooh. Um, DK, because they go deep a lot. Okay, so that was the first thing that just popped into my brain when I read that. So I don't necessarily disagree, but if you're in a PPR league and A.J. Brown is utilized well out of the slot and he's got nine catches a game for 109 yards, you don't really need the touchdowns or the deep yardage. True, true, true. That's fair. Oh, man. I'm going to go DK, though. I think I'm going Seattle because I think Seattle has more of a need for wide receivers. Like with Doug Baldwin and like a couple of those other guys riding off in the sunset, I think they're going to need more. Like I think they're going to need Metcalf. I think... Brown's going to be used. Like, I know Brown's going to be used. I just don't know what capacity. I think Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are going to have to rely on Metcalf a lot more. Like, if, yeah. if I know it's uncertainty coming out of training camp, who's going to be needed more on each football team, I think it's probably Metcalf. So I think I'm going to DK. Yeah, that's, that's exactly why I'd go with him. But if you told me that A.J. Brown turned into a reception machine out of the slot and DK kind of faded a little bit because he didn't get enough, like, enough targets, that wouldn't necessarily shock me either. Yeah, I mean, that. Uh, I don't know. I think I think DK is going to have a big career. Um. Okay. Drinking Oxford says so. When they remade Overboard, there was a slight twist in the plot. What's the slight plot twist in Space Jam Two? I don't know what Overboard is. No, man. man you are you a movie guy? Not. I mean, I'm not not a movie guy, but yeah. I'm not like a movie buff. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I'm not a movie guy. So, I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I got nothing. I, I got nothing there. Um, I Hard, guess the man. twist is the monsters win because LeBron didn't have enough help. I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, LeBron LeBron had to do it by himself, so the monsters win. Yeah, LeBron trades Kevin Durant and whoever else is in the movie halfway through and wrecks the uh, Looney Tunes teams of the, all their future draft picks and then blames it on everyone else when they lose in six games in the finals. Huh, this seems familiar. I'd buy a ticket for that. Um, <laughs> so the last question is is from Chase Bryan, who says, how do you feel about reinstated amateurs playing in amateur events? So this is a big golf guy. We'll let so you I guess have this I, one. I, yeah, I'll take this one. I don't mind it. Look, I think, guys, that you know, going pro is in, all, in golf is very hard. It's very hard to make it. And so, yes, there's always going to be some people that abuse it. But if you turn professional and it doesn't work out and you don't make it, I think the line between really, really good amateurs and really, really pro golfers is as blurry as ever. So I don't really have any problem with the guy who didn't make it as a pro golfer regaining his amateur status and playing in amateur events. Because you imagine you try to play pro golf into your 30, and then you realize it's not for you. 
well, now you can't play amateur events and stuff with your, not friends, but official competitive amateur events because you turn pro. So I actually don't mind this. I think people should be able to get their amateur status back and amateur events. Now, I think it should only be happen once. You can't go amateur pro, pro like amateur, pro amateur, amateur, whatever. You get what I'm saying. You can't A- change Amateur twice. pro, amateur pro. Yeah, amateur. Yeah, yeah you, you, you can't do it twice. So yeah. I'm fine with that because it's just, I think the line is as blurry as ever. There's so many good amateur players. I, I don't have a problem with that because I don't think like the 30 year old guy who's very burnt out on professional golf should not be able to play in amateur events because I don't think the playing field's that unlevel. Um, I, I, that's all I, I had on Twitter. I, did read, I read a golf article today about the uh, kid from Jackson. I guess Fur went to Jackson Academy. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. I caddied for him in a U.S. Open qualifier one time. Did you actually. Really? Yeah, he's 13. There are guys on mini tour players and stuff. And they're like, yeah, so what tour is your kid on? I was like, actually, he can't drive. He's 12. <laughs> so so did, uh, people, when you guys would play, get, get get you guys confused about how you know which one was better? Uh, not quite, but he won the Future <laughs> Masters one time when he was like 11 years old, and I always gave him shit about this. He won it, which is like one of the biggest junior tournaments in the Southeast, and then I beat him in a nine-hole grudge match the next day. I think I still have the ball. May have kept the ball. Um, So, yeah, <laughs> I've always got that going for me. I hope he makes it on tour because I could uh, – one B is backup caddy, and two, I could always say I beat him in golf. So <laughs> that is all I had on Twitter, I believe. Let me pull up Snapchat. Yeah, I've got texts. I've got Snapchats. i got all kinds of stuff in this damn phone. All right. Rip, I didn't know how to use this phone. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a work in progress. Here we go. This is from my roommate, Baxter. Remember Dickhead Baxter? <laughs> no, you're being too harsh on this guy. Uh, I think I think this is just going to be his name for this podcast. Uh, I don't think he'll mind. Um, I know you're taping tonight, and the pick hasn't happened yet. But what happens if Terrence Davis gets drafted? And what do you see happening with his well, career? He did. Uh, he did not. It's over. He officially did not get drafted. Uh, that's that's actually very surprising. That kind of stinks. So it is over now. Um, even if he does slash doesn't get drafted, if he signs like to a G league team like Terrence is a guy that scores in bunches and does stuff like in such small spurts that like he strikes me as a guy, particularly if he catches on with a bad team, you hear his name that he signs a 10 day with the pro team in January. And then he gets called up when some team is ravaged with injuries and he goes for 30 on like a Wednesday night in Denver or something. (laughs) And they're like, man, who the hell is this guy? And then he kind of maybe makes it and finds his footing. I think that's best case scenario with uh, Terrence. I think the worst case scenario is he go and tears up one of the top tier European leagues. Yeah. I'm I'm complete with, yeah, completely with you there. Yeah. So I hope that's, I'm I'm honestly pretty surprised that he, he didn't get drafted uh, because he was really one of the high risers in terms of back end guys in the draft at the combine. So uh, that really sucks. I hope, uh, I hope he's, uh, I hope he ends up okay. I think he'll be fine. He's going to go to Europe and make a lot of money regardless, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, second question from Baxter is, would you trade 10 seasons of four and eight or worse for a national championship at Ole Miss? Yes, that's not even a question. Yeah, because yeah. college football, like I, I know everyone, like most people probably listening to this love college football. Like like Newsbreaker, the entire sport's a scam. It's the most uneven. Yeah. It, it, it makes it makes like – it makes like FIFA soccer look like a straight lace organization. Like it's it's the most uneven playing fields on earth. The same teams win every year. The teams with more money win. Like it's it's a it's sorry it's a sham. I'm gonna call it what it is. So yeah, if you have the opportunity to guarantee yourself a national title in college football as kind of the runt of a Power Five conference, you should probably take that. Yeah, 
and, and I, I shouldn't have said that's not a not a question. As in, like, I wouldn't even consider it. That's a good question. It's uh, it's just I no, like, especially if those four and eights like all happen in a row, and then I win the national title. Because why wouldn't I, if I just won the national title, why wouldn't I compete for the one again? You know. So yeah, I, absolutely. Anytime you can take a national title in, in college football, you do it. And that might be the only way Ole Miss is ever getting one. Yeah, you just get guaranteed one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so his last one was, if you were AD, what is one thing you're pursuing? I, at first, I thought when he read this, he was talking about Anthony Davis. So <laughs> afterwards, he says, a certain facility upgrade, a certain coach for a new sport. And I was like, what are you talking about? Then he's talking about being Ole Miss athletic director. What are you pursuing? Oh, man. Um, okay, all right, let's just do it like this. I was going to say a boss. But Ole Miss is going to hire a chancellor before they hire an athletic director, yeah. so you're going to have a boss in place. Um, so okay, what, let's just do it like this. What does football need? Like, what what does football need from a uh, infrastructure and what in the athletic director standpoint? Anything? Saving the students from heat strokes. Okay, so, so that's probably that, that's not a huge concern. Does basketball no. need anything? I mean, they better not. They have a ninety-six million dollar arena and a hell of a my, nice practice facility. My, First thing, and look, I'm I'm baseball biased. I'm not even gonna lie. I, I Address the what, baseball program. Figure out what's what. Well, I somehow figure out a way that I can get on even not even level, but somehow compete with Arkansas and LSU and scholarships. I don't know how I do it, but I figure out a way. I, I don't know who I got whose tail I got to kiss. I do something so that it, they don't have. But I think that's out of an athletic director's hands. Is it? I mean, you man, it's I don't with know. the state. They're all state education related stuff. I figure out a way. I, I figure something out. I don't okay. know. I, 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 I In terms of the athletic realm and what cheating. they can accomplish, honestly, I, I don't know what there is. And I, honestly, people aren't going to like to hear this. I think that's a testament of what Ross Bjork did. The yeah. facilities are all up to date. I mean, you're not getting a bigger football stadium. You can barely fill the one you have. The basketball yeah. arena is as nice as anywhere in the country. What do you can't ask for anything more else in baseball? Like, yeah. I mean, from a from an infrastructure standpoint, that's probably one of the reasons Ross has the job he has right now is because of the job he did with that. I know yep. that's not a popular take, but sorry, it's the truth. Um, he was yes. better at his job than a lot of people you think he so, was. He wasn't allowed to do his job. We've been over this on this podcast before. I'm not going down that rabbit hole again. Um, so I, I start cheating in baseball. There, I answered, my, I answered the question. I don't know, though. This is kind of a fascinating question. I don't know what you would do. What are you zeroing in on if you're the Ole Miss athletic director in 2020? Oh, oh. I know. You're not hearing me. I start cheating in baseball. That's what I do. Okay, so it's probably finding a football and a baseball coach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, I, I look. I don't want to like project ahead because I don't know how 2019 is going to go in football. I have an idea, but honestly, if I'm the athletic director, and I, I, I'm not rooting against Matt Luke. I think he's a nice man. I hope he does okay. He's been a lot easier to deal with than his predecessor, very <laughs> low bar. I'm not going to go down that road today either, but – I, I just I don't see a way unless they win huge to where the new athletic director comes in and goes, I'm going to stick with this guy that I didn't hire and people didn't see as qualified. So I yeah. think we were probably this answer was obvious and hiding in plain sight. It's probably zeroing in on which direction to take the football program, because I think Matt Luke was probably a stability and placeholder hire. I don't Boy. see it as a long term solution. Okay. I think that's probably where you're going. Hear, hear me out here. Let's just let's just for a, a second pretend. OK. When when do you think Ole Miss has a full time athletic director? Just give me a month. Just just any month, but give me. Oh a month. God. Um. 
February, February of 2020. Okay. All right. Let's just pretend. Let's just pretend that Ole Miss football goes four and eight because that's not out of the realm of possibility, right? You don't can him before 2020 no, season. No, 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 that's no. what you're, you're asking. That's, that's not where I'm going. It's not where I'm going. Let's just pretend he goes four and eight, though, right? Let's pretend Mike Bianco goes 14 and 16, 15 and 15, and, and everybody's just pissed off and they barely make a regional and go up one and two. Is that the first move this guy makes? It, it, the new no. AD? I think it. I think it could be. I think fan apathy at that point could be so low that you have to do something. See, I talked about this with Chase the other day. I think it's all twenty twenty one because this freshman class would like you're talking about them struggling next year, and I think that's probably going to happen to some degree. But man, like that twenty twenty one team is going to have this talented top three, top four class, and then you're going to have Nikhazy and Hoagland and all those guys as juniors. That's the year. I think twenty twenty one is kind of the new twenty eighteen with Bianco. Like you got to do it then. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't disagree. I just I think fan. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. It's definitely a, a valid point. I'm not saying that. I just think it's more likely. And I think Matt Luke gets a 20. Like, we're saying two different versions of the same thing in terms of years because 2020 in football is 2021 yeah. in baseball. I think that's the year. I think okay. he lets it play out for one year. Um, let's, let's, let's because who, because if, you ha- if you had to bet on it, though, let's just play this. If you had to bet on it, is Matt Luke the coach in 2021 or is Mike Bianco the coach in 2022? Which one do you feel more confident in? Mike Bianco. Okay. Mike Bianco's got a top three recruiting class coming in. He does. He does have that. His standards. He's been one step away from saving his job for pretty much for forever on a couple of occasions. But his Uh, standards are a lot higher than Matt Luke's, too. Yeah. Matt Luke's never been a head coach anywhere. Matt Luke's never been a coordinator anywhere. He's co-offensive coordinator. Never forget. Okay. <laughs> He's co-offensive coordinator under Hugh Freeze. That's right. That's right. He was That's right. The place. I was co-starting point guard on my high school team with four other guys. Is, um, is that like when uh, somebody says like uh, LeBron James and uh, like Mo Williams combined for fifty points and LeBron? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Me and LeBron James each have three NBA. T- like we have combined for three <laughs> NBA titles. That's that's not my point. I'm not trying to take a shot at Matt Luke. I just think the likelihood. I think. I mean, you go one and five in super regionals. Mike's going to break through again. I think before he gets fired. Sorry. We'll see. We'll see. Um, that's a great question, though. Honestly, that made yeah. me think a lot. Um, okay, hold on. We got a couple more, and then we'll get out of here. Um. Forrest, who is a regular um, regular participant in Mailbag Friday, any Reb football player got a chance to being drafted next year? Oh, oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. The answer is yes. That, well, yeah, the answer is yes. The, um, I don't know. Ugh. Alex Givens, Bray, Bra, Braylon Sanders, Benito Jones. Benito if he's healthy, sure. Jo- Josiah Cotney, easy. Um. Okay, I don't you, know what this Sam Williams kid is, but if he absolutely destroys it next year, it's not shocking. Yeah, I know he's a junior, but like, on. yeah, because he's he was by far and away the best player in this class. So like, if he destroys it and like his draft stock like soars, I'm not saying that's going to happen or if it's even likely. But like, you're telling me he's a one and done guy where he just goes, sure, yeah, that, <laughs> like that. That's that's would be like the third surprise, third most surprising thing I've heard this week. Like that, that would not. Uh, that wouldn't even, yeah, that'd be that'd be fine. I'm trying to think of who else, and what's we're the, definitely uh, most, missing someone because it's July surprise? and there's 22 football players. Um, <laughs> like you know what most, I mean. What's the most surprising thing you heard this week? 
Uh, ooh, what is the most surprising thing I've heard this week? Mine was Caleb Hill was transferring, but it, that's actually probably still it. That's within the confines of the week. Yes, that's probably it. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a couple guys. They got some, and it's weird that we set a bunch of defensive guys with you know yeah. defensive issues, but the offense is so young, and there's a couple pieces on defense that are okay. If Julius or one of those guys gets drafted late next year, one of those kids in the secondary, sure. I tell you one that could get a late round draft pick just because he's so big and is kind of a freak athletically is is Cooley. Like somebody takes him in the sixth or seventh round, I'm not shocked. Yeah, sure. It's a it's a different version of Dawson Knox. Yeah. Yep. We're kinda like that's a big target with decent hands. Um Okay. Let me make I'm, I might have cleared everything. No. Um no, I think I had one or two more. Yeah, I had a couple. Uh, what was Zion's order to be at F and M's? That's a hand from Penn Holster. That's a Uptown I'll Bar, let, in New Orleans. I'll let you take uh, that one. I have no idea if there's a drink that rhymes like as dancing theme to it. Because when he said, "What's your message to New Orleans?" he said, "Let's dance." Thought that was a boss ass move. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Do you, um, do you think Zion would walk out of Harris and throw two hundred dollars up in the air? I know. I don't know who would do that. Um, <laughs> No clue who would do something like that. Um, will the sure. Pelicans? Oh, oh, this is from my buddy Matt. Will the Pelicans make the playoffs in the next three years? Yes. Absolutely. I think the Pelicans, and I, that sounds outrageous, but it's really not in the NBA because it does take time to develop, and there really are guys that take four and five years before they actually find themselves sure. and grow into their bodies. But yeah. dude, they're ready. Like they're going to win games next year, not this coming year. Like twenty twenty. 2020 beginning foot uh, basketball season, they're going to win games. Oh yeah, Unless something yeah. goes incredibly right. They're uh, they're the league's future. I mean, they yeah. really are. That's wild to say about a terribly run New Orleans organization, but they're it. They're the yeah. league's future. Tell you what, Memphis had a good night tonight too. They did. Memphis has got a pretty good rebuild too. The two, the <laughs> NBA in the South is doing quite well. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yes, will Terrence Davis get drafted or get picked up in the NBA? Okay, so I'm a psychic. I'm going to say he's not going to get drafted. <laughs> Will he get picked um, up? Yes. Yes, I think he will 100% get a training camp invite. I hope he sticks. He's a good kid. He was. Uh, I think he's still got a chance. I'm surprised he didn't get drafted. I really kind of am. I, uh, yeah. you know, everything you read on mocks, like there were some people that at some point in the draft process thinking maybe he slips into a late first round. That was never actually realistic. But the fact that he went the entire second round without being drafted, that's a little surprising to me. So yes, he. I think he 100% gets a chance. We've kind of been over this. Yeah. Will Matt Corral exceed expectations? Well, what? Oof. I think I'm going to say no because I feel, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think he necessarily has a bad year, but I feel like people are thinking he's going to be like a Chad Kelly or a Shea Patterson or Jordan Tomu out of the gate because Ole Miss has been fortunate with good quarterback play. But man, he's a redshirt freshman in the toughest conference in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree. So it's going to, it's going to be, Tough. I'm not tough to watch, but it's going to. What be is his expectations, though? Like, are we going to put this on a? Like, are we going to put a statistical cap on this? No. no, no. Quite, how do you? How do you gauge his expectations? He's what are Matt Corral's expectations? Just use your eyes, in my opinion. Like, is I think he's got to be above average this year to me. I don't think he can be average. I think he's got to be a little bit above average to uh, to meet expectations this year. I mean, is what is that? Is that three thousand yards? Is that? 1200 yards rushing is that 25 touchdowns like what i, I don't what i don't know what it is i, I think and so it's so hard to define that's, that's, it 
that seems but, fair. Three thousand. But okay, fair. the way I'm looking at this, likely, is it more likely where people are like, "Damn, this year." If you're an Ole Miss fan, but damn, this year was frustrating. I don't know about Corral, or is it more like Corral's, you know? Oh, it's it's Corral for Heisman 2021. Like just, I think it's more likely the former, but that isn't. That's not necessarily fair to Corral. I just I feel like Corral and Luke, Matt Luke's expectations are kind of similar in the sense to where like you got to hit a home run, and that's not really fair. Yeah, no, that's that's I completely agree with you. It's not fair, but I'm not sure. You know, it's if Corral's going to be boy, he he's Matt Luke's key, right? Uh yeah. I mean, they're 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 attached at the hip. Like, I mean, that's they're they're going up or down with the shift. Now you throw, it's not that simple because you throw Rich Rodriguez into the mix, and Matt's hired a good coordinator and good on him for that. I just don't know what Corral's fit is in Rich Rodriguez's system. I think it has a potential to be good because, as we discussed on Wednesday show, um, as we discussed on Wednesday show, he showed enough to be a willing runner. I don't know what he is as a passer, and that's honestly my biggest hang up in terms of like putting. Will he exceed expectations or not? I don't know what Corral is as a passer yet. I don't think anyone knows what Corral is as a passer yet. You don't really know what he is as a runner, but I feel like you saw more of that in the limited playing time that he got. And so yeah. if he's a if he's a 60, 62 completion percentage guy, then he's probably going to exceed expectations. If he's 60 to 58, 55, like he's probably not. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I think anybody making definitive statements on Matt Corral's future one way or the other is... Or is anything just, yeah. regarding this. What is yeah. this? I don't know what this offense is looking like. <laughs> no, you're completely right. I agree. So, um, actually, we had one more mailbag question. It's from a state buddy of mine who listens to the podcast, and he said, basically, I'm not going to pull it up because I read it already, but he basically... Um, Jake Mangum went 14 and two against Ole Miss. You might have to check that stat. He says, "No, that's correct because I wrote yeah. that a couple times." Um, he dominated Ole Miss with Mangum gone. What do you think Ole Miss and Ole Miss and State's record will be against each other the next four years? Um, oh, oh God! Look, it's not going to be 14 and two. Yeah, so so it's not. And so what? Basically, basically the best way I knew how to tackle this one is one, baseball is such a fickle sport. I mean, you're talking about the difference in one kid signing in the MLB draft and him showing up to campus. If particularly if it's a pitcher and a difference in literally a couple of wins and losses over a couple of years, it's not going to be 14 and two because that's such a statistical anomaly. Even like Mangum beside Mangum was a hell of a player and he destroyed Ole Miss. Like I'm, I'm not like that's pretty much indisputable at this point, but like it's a statistical anomaly that they were fourteen and two in that stretch. Like that's not necessarily a hundred percent. I mean, it's definitely not a hundred percent because of Mangum. I, you you could argue how much it was because of Mangum and all. He certainly helped because he was a good player. But like, it's not going to be fourteen and two. Um, no. This really kind of leads to a larger point of what we've talked about before, to where part of the heat on Bianco is because he hasn't beaten State in the last four years, yeah. and it's been so dramatic. Like two and fourteen. My God. Yeah. So, I, and, I don't, like to answer the, but the thing is, like, Mike had done really well against State up until this two and fourteen stretch, though, right? Correct. Yeah, and the, it's just the, cyclical. Yeah, look, I, but at the same time, I think there's some credence to this, and we talked about this before. Ole Miss doesn't have the asshole State has. Like, yeah. Ole Miss in the last couple of years could have used it Mangum or two on their roster. Do you buy? Look, I'm, I'm I'm not saying this is correct. I'm just gonna present to put this out there. Ole Miss doesn't. State plays a lot of kids from the state of Mississippi. Do, do you buy anything into a little bit? I don't think that? it's nothing. I don't think it's yeah, something, I but I don't, I don't think, think it's, it's nothing. nothing either. Yeah, I don't think it's the biggest factor, but 
Yeah, I mean, look, Ole Miss didn't. Did Ole Miss start a kid from Mississippi this year besides Kessinger and, and Dillard? So it was seven. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm just going through it. It's seven of nine were, and then, you know, no starting pitchers were from Mississippi. So. Yeah, and so it's a bunch of out-of-state kids, a bunch of in-state kids, and surely that's a reflection of the school. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, and so, but anyway, we're we're going off the rails here. But my point, I think there is some credence to this, though, is that not that these kids are soft, like Ole Miss's kids weren't soft, but State when they played Ole Miss the last four years, and I think it's because a lot of these teams embodied Mangum's attitude. Like Mangum is the ultimate State player in the sense he plays with a gigantic chip on his shoulder. He's energetic. He's kind of easy to rally around. And I'm not saying like Ole Miss needed him per se. But there were, you could tell that those teams played with a different type of body language. And while Mangum was there, that benefited Mississippi State greatly is the best way I can put that. Yep. And so Ole Miss has had a really talented team in 2018 and had a pretty talented team in 2019. I think they could have benefited from a little Jake Mangum in them. I don't, I don't disagree. To answer the question, I'll go 8-8 eight and eight, just because if they're going to play 16 times, I, I think the programs are going to be about even from a regular season standpoint. So I'll say 8-8. Eight and eight. You can't predict baseball stuff like that. Like I, and I who knows? Look, like if if you made me guess, I think Mississippi State's better than Ole Miss next year. I think Ole Miss is better than State the next, and then who knows after that? Um, State does lose a lot next year, though, don't they? Yeah, because Gen's gone too. No, I'm talking about coming in next year, like this 2020. No, they they return most everything out. You know, Small and Plumley are gone, and Mangum's gone. Um, Skelton's probably gone, but everything else is back. So State's definitely better than Ole Miss next year. Ole Miss probably a little better in 2021. And then, like you said, who knows after that? So next four years, I don't know. I'll go like, for the sake of being different. I'll go 10 and six state just because I don't have any evidence to suggest otherwise right now. Fair. <laughs> I mean, it's not 14 and 2. No, it's not going to be 14. That's a statistical anomaly. Credit to State and all that, but like that's just, you know, that's, I don't know. I, I don't how, feel like another how, 14 and 2 stretch will happen in this like series or whatever for quite a while. Look, how lucky, not lucky, because I mean, they keep making a College World Series and make his job tougher, but it, Mike Bianco's got to be kind of thankful Mississippi State's not ever won one of these, right? Because it, it gets real. Uh, it I don't think it makes that much of a difference. I think it makes some, but the fact that they're there repeatedly, like I think that's enough heat of Man, anything else. Do you not agree? No. If they go through that thing this year and win it, outside of making Omaha next year, he's not coming back. There would have been no way. Because the, the fan base would have turned at that point. Watching Mississippi State win a national title while you can't make Omaha, no, I think it would have been the end of it. Yeah, that's a hundred. I don't know. That's fair. That's such a subjective thing. Um, so that's the end of our mailbag questions. You got anything else that we had a hell of an NBA draft night, but I was at a dinner tonight, so I couldn't <laughs> follow it completely. Yeah, so I, I almost feel ill-equipped to like. Yeah, no, I didn't watch a ton of it. I had the state game on where I was. So, um, and between now and Monday, there's going to be ten more trades and ten more free agency signings, and Chris Paul's going to make fun of James Harden's man boobs. Did you see this, by the way? No, Please tell me you not. saw this. No, I did not. No. Oh, you haven't seen this? This is the greatest thing of all time. I think people have just heard that comment probably know where I'm going with this. So, Tell me this isn't like a fake tweet or something. Oh, it is. It's the oh, best. Okay. It's so, so have you seen – so have you been paying attention? So hold on. This brings me to a couple of things. One, I've gotten decent NBA feedback from the people that texted in. Thank you for texting, by the way. Please continue to text me and tell me what you like, don't like about this podcast. It helps a lot. I've gotten Unless mostly positive – 
feedback about the NBA. Most people were like, hey, don't spend like a ton of time on it. But even as someone that doesn't like the NBA, I enjoy you keeping me in the loop with 10 minutes, yeah, which is about all we know. Right. Don't don't text them that you don't like me, though, please. Uh, you can text that you don't like me. You can call me an asshole. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so, so, so my point being, I've almost got on track here. So anyway, people like the NBA talk. But back to what I was saying. So the ESPN dropped a story on Monday from Tim McMahon, who used to cover the Mavericks for ESPN. Now he's just a general NBA writer, dropped a really in-depth piece on the dysfunction within the Rockets. And it started between the descent between the owner and the GM, the GM and coach Mike D'Antoni, and then between Chris Paul and James Harden. It's worth reading going ESPN.com. It's a fascinating story. They had very layered dysfunction, but it comes out two days later after that story drops, Chris Paul's requesting a trade. I don't know if you knew that. But yeah. so that appears to be I don't know if they'll patch it off. That's not really the point of the story, but there's a Twitter account called Sports Talk Barry. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, do you want a uh, quick story about Sports Talk Barry? Uh, okay. I mean, this this is he 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 catfished Skip Bayless. Well, uh, on national Barry. television. Oh, good God. Sports Talk Barry got Hugh Freeze to pray for him because uh, this guy tweeted at Hugh Freeze that his brother died of a marijuana overdose. Yes, that is one of his sticks. And if you're on the internet and you're on Twitter, Sports Talk Barry is basically a facetious account making fun of sports media and sports media fans by saying stuff like, yes, my brother died of a marijuana overdose or how dare this guy for doing marijuana. It's a facetious account, but he did the whole Twitter thing where he changes his profile picture to Woj. And oh. says he's Adrian Wojnarowski and said, you know, league sources tell ESPN that during a practice two years ago that uh, Chris Paul made fun of James Harden's man boobs to the point where uh, James Harden left practice in tears. And Skip Bayless on Undisputed the other day proceeded to read that tweet off as an official report. He said the reports oh coming God. out of Houston are that James Harden was really upset that Chris Paul made fun of his man boobs on Undisputed on Fox on national television. Well, the good news, hold on, the good news for Skip is that nobody saw it. What? That's, that's true, but one, it's Skip Bayless. Two, that's national television. Three, some producer intern got fired, right? Because no way Skip Bayless found that information himself. Skip Bayless doesn't read his own tweets. He doesn't read his own replies. Some, some, some producer went white in the face once he figured out that that thing was fake because his job was over. I bet he went ahead and started packing and started walking down Hollywood Boulevard because he was toast. That man is done. I hope that guy had a bow. Look, if there was ever any last straw needed to prove that Skip Bayless is just a gigantic parody of himself and a hot take artist, is that not all the evidence you need? Yeah, that's that's about it. That's about it. So, that's about all I've got. We've gone over an hour. It is late. I'm playing golf in like six hours. Um, You're losing. We got anything else? Yeah, I'm probably, eh, I don't know. I think I might just get in their heads and take their money. <laughs> So, okay, all right, I'm not going to ask you to put figures on it, but as someone that's not really ever played golf, how does taking their money work? Like, do you bet holes or, like? Yeah, you bet by hole, and, like, you can play okay. different games. So, I mean, we're not actually betting, like, re like I say real money. I mean, we'll, we'll put the unit, like, a dollar or two a hole. Like, people, uh, I mean, I've played in games where people, you know, start sweating over stuff, but, like, nothing <laughs> nothing like that. Um, So, we'll see. I'm looking forward to playing. Hadn't been at Old Waverly since I was in high school. Maybe maybe they have my old J.A. ball marker out there somewhere. Who's to say? Um, <laughs> Fine city of West Point. I can anyway, 
we've gone off the rails. This is uh this has been another mailbag Friday. You got anything else? Was this even interesting? I don't I feel like I didn't bring my fastball today. No, I don't know. I think it was a a solid eighty eight to ninety up there, right? I mean maybe, but I, I feel like most of the time I'm ninety five to hundred. Yeah, okay. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe we have more life on the fastball today. <laughs> People, uh, maybe I just have a, a, a hot radar gun and too high of an opinion of my skill set. That's usually the case. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We appreciate you guys listening. Um, Mailbag Friday is kind of take it off. We get more questions each week. Keep sending them in. Keep sending feedback on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, like unless you've got subscribe. anything else, I'm going to bed. Yeah, like and subscribe as those in the industry say. I wish you could check how many people are subscribing. Is that, there a way to do that? Yeah, there there is, but you've got to be over. Uh, well, I'll explain it to you off here. Gotcha. Um, so you got anything else? No, that's it. Sweet. Well, I am going to catch some shut eye and then whip Richard and Borky and golf. Anyway, this has been another Mailbag Friday edition of the Rebel Report podcast. We appreciate you listening. For Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Rippey, and we will see you on Monday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.